Well, good morning once again, and happy Easter to you. My name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's been a joy just worshiping our risen King this morning through song and looking forward to diving into the Bible this morning, into God's Word. If you don't have a copy of the Bible this morning, there are a few in the back that we'd love for you to be able to use this morning. And if you don't own one, feel free to take that with you. It's our gift to you. They're both in, there's copies both in uh, English and in Spanish. So feel free to go grab one of those this morning. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1 this morning. And so I'm going to invite Mirabella to come and read our sermon text. First Peter 1, no, First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though, now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, is tested by fire, may found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray together. Holy God, we rejoice that today is a day that you have made. God, may, may we be glad in it. God, we praise you for not only who you are, but for making yourself known to us. And now we pray that you would help us by your spirit to savor Christ. Give us all ears to hear and eyes to see today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've got four kids, and one of my kids, who shall remain nameless, uh, is not always a big fan of school. It's not his or her favorite thing. So it's not common and uncommon to get the question, do I have to go to school today? Which is sometimes followed up with, why do I need to go to school? Why does it even matter? What's the point? And so I explain how life works and why it's important, and we move on until the next time. You know, we can ask that kind of question about a lot of things in life. Why does it matter, whatever the it is? Why does it matter if I do this or believe this or think this? And today is Easter Sunday. And today, we, along with thousands and thousands of people all over the world and throughout centuries, have been declaring and are declaring this morning that Jesus is risen. But why does it matter? Why does it matter that Jesus is resurrected from the grave? I mean, isn't it good enough for Jesus to just have died in our place for our sin on the cross? Is the resurrection really relevant to our salvation? Does it really have any bearing or matter on, for our lives here and now? And this is an important question to ask and answer for all of us to understand whether you call yourself a Christian or not, because the reality is the resurrection matters because it's the only basis for real and lasting hope, both now and forever. And man, we need some hope, don't we? We live in a messy world. 
There's lots of things going on around the globe, lots of things going on in our own country that are challenging, that are difficult, that are hard. But it isn't just the world that's messy. Our lives can be messy as well. So many of us are struggling or suffering with various things going on. Some, some way, shape, or form, there's difficulty in our lives. Many of us, including me, find ourselves most mornings waking up fighting to have hope, fighting to have joy as we think about the day ahead or the week ahead. And so today, on this Easter Sunday, we're going to take some time to look at these few verses in the book of 1 Peter. And what we'll see is, is that the resurrection matters because through it, God gives us both a living hope and inexpressible joy here and now. Here and now as we live life in a broken world. I'm glad you're here today. No matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey, whether you've known Jesus for a long time, or maybe you're just here checking out who he is, and what this whole church thing is about, what Easter is all about. I'm glad that you're here and gathering today that in God's kindness and his providence, he saw fit for you to be here. And I'm glad I'm overjoyed that Jesus is risen. Maybe you believe that. Maybe you don't believe it. But my hope is that no matter what's going on in your life right now, that God will encourage you this morning. He will encourage you and help you either way. So let's jump into 1 Peter 1. And may God bless the preaching of his word. The Apostle Peter is the author of 1 Peter, and he's writing this letter, this book of the Bible, to a group of disciples. Disciples are followers of Jesus, those who've placed their hope, their faith in Jesus. But these particular disciples, these particular followers of Jesus are experiencing great difficulty, significant trial and suffering in their life, most of which is related to the fact that they're trying to follow Jesus in a world that's set against him. In fact, the life they're seeking to live is so contrasted with what the world is calling them to that Peter refers to them in the beginning of chapter one and verse one as exiles. In chapter two, he calls them sojourners and exiles. In other words, he's saying to them, this place is not your home. And so Peter's writing to encourage them. In light of that reality, not to lose heart, to, to remember who they are, to stay the course. He doesn't want them to give up. He doesn't want them to give in, but to keep faithfully following Jesus. But this isn't just an encouragement for them. It's an encouragement for us too, because if you're a follower of Jesus, this is a part of your reality and your identity. You also are an exile and a sojourner, and this place isn't your home. But Peter's original audience still had to live life in the present. So do we. So he begins this letter with some encouragement, encouragement that's rooted in the resurrection of Jesus. Why does the resurrection matter? Because through it, God gives us a living hope. Look at the beginning of verse three with me again. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that in a letter written to encourage a group of people that are struggling, Peter starts with praising God. I think there's something instructive for all of us in that. When life is hard or seemingly out of control, so often, even as Christians, God isn't the first place or person that we go to. I know I can do that. I can get caught up in my own head, my own thinking, my own circumstances, and forget to go to God first, to praise him first for who he is. But when you and I remember the character of our God, when we remember the nature of our God who is all and over all, we can begin to find peace. We can begin to find stability, even if everything around us 
rocks and reels. And it's his character and nature that Peter points to next. This God he praises, he said, is a God who is great in mercy. And what has he done according to his great mercy? He says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Mercy is about relieving our distress. So what distress is it that God's great mercy is relieving? Well, the first thing we have to remember or we have to understand maybe for the first time is what the spiritual reality is for every person in this room when you and I are born into this world. Our reality is that we are separated from God and we are spiritually dead. We have no spiritual life within us. The reason for that is the result of our rebellion, our sin against God. See, each of us have chosen to, and some of us continue to choose to go our own way to try to be the Lord of our own life, the king or queen of our own life, but it's a self-defeating enterprise because you and I were not made to be self-sovereigns. You and I were made to live life with God who is the only true sovereign. Now that's not oppressive to have someone over you, the God of all creation, to be king over your life. That's freedom because as God describes himself throughout scripture, our God is merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He is good and he is faithful. See, what's true of every last person as we're born into this world is that our sin has left us dead and desperate. And you and I can do nothing to fix that, to change that. We all need redemption. We all need new life. And it has to come from outside of ourselves. So what Peter is declaring, what Peter's reminding us of is that God has made a way. We are all spiritually unable to remedy our cosmic predicament, so God pursues us. And according to his character and his nature, his great mercy, God has caused us to be born again. What you and I deserve is judgment. What we deserve is wrath for our rebellion as we've turned away from God. But through Jesus, in Jesus alone, God's wrath is righteously satisfied and he gives us now grace in life when we place our faith in him. And this change is so significant, he uses the language of being born again. You have to have new life. You have to, as if you are recreated, rebirthed again. And that comes through Christ It's through him that you're able to be made new. It's what it means to be a Christian. There isn't someone who is a follower of Jesus that hasn't also been born again. Do you know that? Do you believe that this morning? Because if you're born again, you're not left to fend for yourself. If you're born again, you're not left to have to try and scrap for hope in a broken world like looking for change between the couch cushions. You don't have to say, man, I hope I can find some hope somewhere. No, if you're born again, he says you are born again to something. You're born again to a living hope. Like I said earlier, with so many challenging things going on in our lives and our world, we all need some hope right now. But what is hope? I think our culture often defines hope with more of an uh, an idea of wishful thinking. I hope that the weather turns out good today. I hope that I get that promotion. I hope she'll say yes to that date. I hope I'll get that job. But, but, but the biblical idea of hope is much deeper than that. 
See, the, the world's idea of hope is that it might happen, but it might not happen. But the biblical idea of hope is a confident surety. Here's why, because it's rooted not in our circumstances that are often outside of our control, but it's hope that's rooted in the character and nature of God who is always in control. The one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's a hope that comes about through the resurrection, Peter says. Jesus came into this world. He came into this world to defeat Satan, our greatest enemy, to defeat sin and death, our greatest enemies. He willingly laid down his life as a substitute for you and me. He took the punishment that you and I deserve for our sin. And on the cross, as he was taking his last breath, he declared, it is finished. The sin that separated us from God, the sin that we committed in rebellion against God for all who believe in him, Jesus says it's been paid for in full. We just sang earlier, but that wasn't the end of the story. No, three days later, the lifeless, broken, crucified body of Jesus began to breathe again and up from the grave, he rose again. Brothers and sisters, we have to understand that his resurrection put the definitive exclamation point on who Jesus is. It put the definitive exclamation point on what Jesus came to accomplish, that he is indeed the very son of God and the savior of the world. And so this hope, this hope that Peter's trying to encourage these struggling believers with that he's talking about isn't based on wishful thinking. It's not a dead hope rooted in things that are not alive or things that can't bring life. No, it's based on the fact that Jesus is risen. It's a living hope because it's rooted in a living savior. That's why the resurrection matters. If Jesus isn't raised, then you and I have no real hope today or tomorrow, but he is risen. He is risen indeed. Listen, the world may try to give you all kinds of things to put your hope in what you have, how much you have, who you know. But none of those things will ultimately last. But it's the risen Jesus alone who can give you confidence, can give you surety, can give you a living hope, not only for today, but also for the future when he will come again and restore what sin has broken. That's why I love how Peter gives us this further description of this living hope made possible through the resurrection. Look at verses four and five. It says, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Maybe some of you have received an inheritance from someone, a family member or friend who's passed away. In most cases, that isn't something that you can control. Someone else decided to give that to you. Peter's saying that this living hope is like an inheritance that comes to you not because you're better than everybody else, not because you figured something out that nobody else could, but because of God's grace and God's mercy because you were born again. See, being born again isn't just about new life. It's also about being born into the family of God. And when that happens, you and I are united to Jesus. That means that everything that's Jesus's is now yours, is now mine. His death becomes yours. Your old life is crucified with him on that cross. And also his resurrection becomes yours. As he was raised from the grave, you also are raised to new life 
Through Christ, you are made new and being made new. But this inheritance isn't like any old inheritance. This inheritance isn't something that can be lost. It isn't something that can be ruined. It isn't an inheritance that loses value over time, depending on what the market is doing. It's an inheritance, Peter says, that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Everything in this world eventually fades. Everything in this world eventually loses its luster, whether it be new clothes or a new car or our looks, right? Over time, everything fades. Our economy is built on the idea that if things eventually get worn out and need to be replaced, but this living hope, this future inheritance, it never wears out. It never loses its luster. It never needs to be replaced. In fact, Peter says it's an inheritance never to be lost or tarnished, kept secure in heaven for you. For you. Not an amorphous group, not an organization, but for you. You who by God's power are being guarded for salvation, ready to be revealed when Jesus comes again. This is final salvation. When every reality of what it means to be united to Jesus, when every reality that means to be forgiven of your sin will come into full view and full experience where you will see God face to face as we were just singing in endless praise before him. Oh, I can't wait for that day. Then we'll stand before him in endless praise when you'll be made fully like Jesus. And that's possible because Jesus is alive. You have that inheritance if you're in Christ because Jesus is risen. You and I live in a world that seeks to discount the power or importance of the resurrection. A world that seeks to destroy any aspect of a living hope or to distract you from your future inheritance, calling you to find it all here and now. But listen to me, the promises of our God cannot be taken away and Jesus will not lose any who are his. And so God's power protects you because God's power sustains your faith and my faith that keeps us from falling away. God's power energizes your faith, but it's still your faith, your believing. You're trusting in the risen Christ today. So are you believing that Jesus is risen now? The resurrection matters because through it, God enables us to be born again to a living hope, to a lasting inheritance and eternal salvation. This is what we have if we are in Christ. And it's what's available to us precisely because Jesus is risen. Listen, if you haven't yet trusted in Jesus, placed your faith in him, who he is and, and what he has done, if you haven't turned away from your sin and turned to Christ for your rescue, let me implore you to do that even now. It's in him and him alone, his life, his death, his resurrection, not the world, not yourself, that you can have life and hope now and forever. So come to him, come to the real and risen Jesus today. We can have a living hope because Jesus is risen, but Peter's not done encouraging us this morning. Why does the resurrection matter? Because through it, God also gives us inexpressible joy. Look at verses six and seven. Peter writes, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that 
The tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter says we rejoice in this. We rejoice in this living hope, this eternal inheritance that we have through the resurrection of Jesus, but we don't do so in a vacuum. We rejoice in the midst of grief because of the various trials that we'll encounter. We have a living hope, but we live in a broken world. We find ourselves in what's called the now and the not yet. This reality that Jesus has come, but we wait for him to come again. So again, this makes us exiles. It makes us sojourners, people passing through. And life as a sojourner at times is painful. That could be real loss in your life for following Jesus. Maybe a family member or a friend or a coworker who's turned their back on you because of that or ridicules you because of your faith. There could be real loss in this life because of the effects of sin, whether that be sickness or suffering or just your own battle with sin. There could be real loss in this life because others sin against you. All of these things seem to be in view for Peter's original audience. But Peter's reminding them and he's reminding us that it doesn't need to lead to despair. See, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is not only a matter of history, but matters for your life at this moment and in the days ahead. Because though suffering is real and painful, it doesn't last forever for those who are in Christ. Just as death was swallowed up when Jesus rose again, suffering and sin will be finally swallowed up when the risen Christ comes again. Though now for a little while we wait, Peter wants us to see that our waiting is not without purpose. We rejoice, he says, even in the midst of trials because we have a hope through the resurrection of Jesus. We rejoice in the midst of trials, Peter says, so that the tested genuineness of our faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Christ comes again. What he's saying is, is that God is always at work in your life. Even in the midst of the challenges, even in the midst of the difficulty, he is faithful to his plans and his promises. That means then that the trials that you and I experience are not an entrance exam into the kingdom. They're the result of the brokenness of the world, but God uses them to test our faith, to strengthen our faith, to purify our faith. Suffering becomes a crucible for our faith because it's in the midst of our suffering and our trial and our difficulty, whatever it happens to be, it really presses on us, do we actually believe what we say we believe? It is a trial for us. In the midst of that, it presses on us, helps us to realize that the risen Jesus is all you need because the risen Jesus is all that you have. There's been lots of times in my life of different periods of suffering or trials, wrestling, dealing with my own sin, and throughout my time as a pastor, there have been some really difficult and challenging seasons of life and of ministry. And points where I really strongly considered just leaving it all, walking away. Man, is it really worth it? There's got to be something easier to do. These trials caused me to see if I actually believed what I said I believe about Jesus. What I actually preach about God. And in God's providence, I came across 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, which has helped me so much and echoes what Peter's saying here. The Apostle Paul, writing autobiographically, says this, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, 
but there was a reason for that. It was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. I needed to see that, to hear that, to think on that. I need to keep coming back to it over and over again because too often when I'm struggling, when I'm suffering, when I feel there's trial or difficulty in my my life, I rely a whole lot more on myself than on the God who raises the dead. Too often I forget that even in the difficulty, he is with me and he is for me and he is working to make me more and more like Jesus. And some of you are going through challenges right now. All of us at some point will go through some period of difficulty or struggle, but we don't have to do so without hope. We don't have to do so without joy because we know that God is in control. We know that God is at work. The purpose of your trial that you have gone through or are going through or might go through, the reason for it may not be fully known to you in a day or a week or month or years. It may not be fully known to you until Christ comes again. But we can continue to persevere with hope and joy That also means that for the follower of Jesus, hope and joy are often mingled with grief. Peter says we grieve, we're grieved by these various trials. If you're a follower of Jesus, there's no call to stoicism. There's no call to fake it till you make it. Acting like everything's fine all of the time when it really isn't. See, grief acknowledges that life isn't the way that it's supposed to be. But hope and joy that are rooted in the resurrection declare that life won't always be the way that it is. Right now, life is hard, but we can be sure that because Jesus is risen, one day he will come again and he will wipe away every tear on your face. One day he will come again and he will make everything sad in our world become untrue. One day he will come again and there'll be no more sin, no more brokenness, no more tiredness, no more shame, no more sickness, no more sorrow. So then we have a living hope that leads to rejoicing, even if we don't know exactly what God is up to right now, because we know who we are in Christ and we know whose we are and that the real and risen Jesus will come again to make all things new. You know what? Jesus knows your grief. He knows your sorrow. He's experienced it. And because he is risen, he can help you now when you're in the midst of it. Are you weary? Are you bearing heavy burdens right now? Our risen king calls you to himself to find your rest in him. I love how Peter ends this section. Verses eight and nine, he says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You know, sometimes I think we read the Bible and think that those people were so different than us. They had such an easier time believing. But isn't it encouraging that Peter's writing to people who are way more similar to you than you might realize? Just like you, they haven't seen Christ. But they're still Loving him and believing in him, fighting for faith in him, hope in him, joy in him. That's you, that's me. They have a living hope because of their present faith in the risen Christ. A reality that when you and I take time, not just on Easter Sunday, but day by day to remember and reflect on can lead to that inexpressible joy. Why? Because again, it's a hope, it's a joy that isn't dependent on circumstances, but is anchored in the fact that Jesus is alive 
And because of that, we can have confidence that our salvation of our souls is secure. What we know to be sure in the future, this glorious time of being with Christ forever and ever, where there's no more sin and sorrow and shame, helps us to face life and all of its challenges in the present because we know that today is not the end of the story. Listen, if you are in Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, do you need hope and joy this morning? Come and find it in the risen Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, do you need hope? Do you need joy this morning? Come and find it in the risen Jesus. Friends, Jesus is risen. And he is seated at the right hand of God, interceding for you, advocating for you. Are you believing that today? Will you encourage one another to believe that tomorrow? Why does the resurrection matter? Because through it, God gives us a living hope that leads to an inexpressible joy because we have a living Savior. Come to him today. Cling to him today. Set your mind and heart on him forever. He is sure and he is steadfast and he will never fail you because he is alive. Amen.